everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I am your host, Luke Cannon, and today we are covering Amok Time, the season two premiere and one of the all-time classic episodes of the original series. This is the episode where, upon Spock acting more emotional and aggressive than normal, to the point of throwing soup at Nurse Chapel and berating her, Kirk diverts the Enterprise to Vulcan in order for Spock to partake in the Ponfar mating ritual in order to deal with his haywire biology as well as his arranged marriage to T'Pring. This culminates in the iconic fight to the death scene between Kirk and Spock, complete with Fred Steiner's equally iconic score that has been referenced and parodied numerous times over the years. And while the episode is an all-time classic for a number of reasons, it's the delivery of one name spoken in the final scene of the episode that makes this a favorite of mine. Doctor, I shall be resigning my commission immediately, of course. A Spock. So I would appreciate your making the final arrangements. Spock, I... Doctor, please, let me finish. There can be no excuse for the crime of which I'm guilty. I intend to offer no defense. Furthermore, I shall order Mr. Scott to take immediate command of this vessel. Don't you think you better check with me first? Captain! <laughs> Jim! I'm pleased to see you, Captain. You seem uninjured. There's just one thing, Mr. Spock. You can't tell me that when you first saw Jim alive that you weren't on the verge of giving us an emotional scene that would have brought the house down. Merely my quite logical relief that Starfleet had not lost the highly proficient captain. Yes, Mr. Spock, I understand. Thank you, Captain. Of course, Mr. Spock. Your reaction was quite logical. Thank you, Doctor. And a pig's eye. Come on, Spock. Let's go mind the store. Throughout the original series and the TOS films, we've seen numerous times how much Spock means to Kirk. Hell, the entire point of the search for Spock was to show how far Kirk was willing to go in order to bring his best friend back to life. And while we did see how much Kirk meant to Spock, it was always muted in comparison to Kirk's displays of affection. Well, in this case, after finally opening up about the Ponfar and how deeply personal and embarrassing it is for him, and inviting Kirk and McCoy down to Vulcan and telling T'Pau that he shall neither live long or prosper due to him killing his best friend, seeing Spock exclaim, Jim, upon seeing Kirk alive, was an incredibly powerful moment that showed the depth of the friendship between Spock and Kirk, which to me is ultimately what the episode is about. This episode, for me, puts Kirk and Spock's relationship, one of the key tenets of the entire franchise, to the forefront and at the time, elevated it to its highest level. And this moment in particular is one that I list when I tell people why I love Star Trek. This is also an important episode in terms of expanding the world of Star Trek, both within universe and with the franchise as a whole. In terms of world building, the level of detail and reverence given to Vulcan, the Ponfar ceremony, and the presence of T'Pau helped to further expand the Trek universe and show that there were endless corners to explore and develop, particularly with the Vulcans and the way a logic-based society operated. As for expanding the franchise, here is a quote from Michael Chabon from his New Yorker essay about Star Trek and the relationship he and his father had around it. 
By addressing the question of Spock's sexuality and the nature of desire in a culture that eschews emotion, it makes the classic fanfiction gesture to find a hole in the quilt of canon and patch it. Look at the earliest Trek fanzines like Spockinalia, the first issue of which came out right around when Amok Time aired. They're obsessed with Spock's Vulcan heritage, his childhood, and above all, his sexuality. Amok Time tried to patch those holes. It rewarded the fanfic impulse, rewarded fandom itself. That probably explains why Trek is still around after all these years. While personally I think that's one of the reasons, I wouldn't say it's the defining reason. For me, it goes back to the characters at the center of these stories. While the social commentary is certainly the most important aspect of what makes Star Trek Star Trek, it was always the character journeys and the relationships they had with one another that I connected with and has made Star Trek the enduring storytelling engine that it is. And in the case of Kirk and Spock, no other episode of the original series exemplified this more than a mock time. In regards to the episode as a whole, I can't say too much about it since what can you say about it? Everyone here is at the top of their game, from Theodore Sturgeon's writing to Joseph Pevney's direction to our main cast showing a depth and nuance to their performances to even the guest stars. Celia Lovsky brought a great presence and reverence as T'Pau, one of the most highly respected Vulcans alive and the only person who ever turned down a seat at the Federation Council. And Arlene Martel as T'Pring takes a one-off character who, for all intents and purposes, is the other woman and turns her into a memorable character who is Spock's equal in her own right and is rumored to be showing up again in Strange New Worlds. There is nothing but reverence for this episode from everyone involved and its place within the canon of not just Star Trek, but just television and pop culture is well-deserved. As mentioned earlier, this episode has been referenced and parodied many times over the years, most notably in the Futurama episode, Why Must I Be a Crustacean in Love?, as well as the misunderstood Jim Carrey film, The Cable Guy. Please rise for the national anthem. Uh-oh. Let Klauplach begin! Oh, yeah, that's how it's gonna be, huh? All right. You wanna play rough? Daddy can play rough! It's like when Spock had to fight Kirk on Star Trek. Best friends forced to do battle. This isn't funny, will you stop it? The name is Spock. If we don't battle to the death, they will kill us both. This isn't Star Trek! Goodbye, Jim. Goodbye!
Between this, the Will Ferrell character in Zoolander named Mugato, and Tug Speedman watching Arena on his video iPod in the pouring jungle rain in Tropic Thunder, it becomes very clear that Ben Stiller is a huge TOS fan. As for the episode itself, this was an episode that NBC wanted to do right away in Season 1 after they saw that they had a hit on their hands and that Spock was their breakout character. But the episode became a holdover for Season 2 due to Sturgeon and his notoriously slow and cumbersome writing process. He was one of many classic science fiction writers who Gene had brought on to write episodes for the series, but would then come to regret due to clashing personalities and their wildly differing approaches to the material. Although this is nothing compared to the saga that was Harlan Ellison and his City on the Edge of Forever script. While this was the season 2 premiere, this was actually the fifth episode of the second season produced. This is reflected in the new opening credits with DeForest Kelly's name alongside Shatner and Nimoy's, as well as the first on-screen appearance with Chekhov. But like I said, this was the fifth episode produced, which you can tell by the wig that Walter Koenig was wearing in order to look more like Davy Jones from The Monkees, which was one of the reasons Koenig was cast in order to appeal more to the younger demographic. And the casting of Lawrence Montaigne as Stan, the Vulcan that T'Pring wanted to marry over Spock, was a bit of an inside joke in that at one point, Leonard Nimoy might not have come back to play Spock in the second season due to a lawsuit over his salary. And Montaigne and Mark Leonard, who had previously played the Romulan commander in Balance of Terror, and who would eventually play Sarek, Spock's father, were the two actors considered to replace Nimoy if he decided to not come back. So him as the alternative to Spock was the consolation prize for Montaigne and a delicious bit of meta casting. And that's it for the original series. Tomorrow, we are going into the 70s with what is considered to be the best episode of a series that, for the longest time, had a nebulous relationship with the franchise, but has finally come around to being recognized for the achievement that it is. Live long and prosper, and also, live well.